The Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Today, we will begin the next sermon in the Heavenly Authority series. So let's join Bible teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Last time, uh, we left off in the middle of the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. Obviously, you know the background. There's a dispute over the Gentiles in the church. You have men from Judea going to Antioch and teaching, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And Paul and Barnabas dispute them and Finally, the church decides that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about the question. And Paul uh, and Barnabas go and they speak to the apostles and elders and some of the sect of the Pharisees who must be in leadership positions. Now, these are believers in Jesus. These are not unbelievers. Rise up saying it's necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the council comes together in a very formal manner with the apostles and the elders. Um, and again, there's disputing. Finally, Peter rises up. And we saw last time that the Holy Spirit gives him such clear, simple logic. The argument he presents provides the multitude with the gospel based upon the experience that had happened when the Holy Spirit was given to the Gentiles just as he gave to the Jews who believed and that their hearts were purified by faith. And he doesn't give a, an edict as Peter, an apostle, the leader of the Twelve. Instead, he reasons with them, and the Holy Spirit gives them wonderful words, and we studied that last time. And then that quiets the multitude. Paul and Barnabas are able to get up, and they declare and they give testimony to the miracles and wonders that God worked through them among the Gentiles. So you have testimony backing up the logic of the gospel through the Holy Spirit. And finally, James, an apostle, not James, one of the twelve, James, the half-brother of the Lord, who has become an apostle and an elder in Jerusalem, he agrees with them. He says, and with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, and he gives a quote uh, from the Old Testament. So James agrees with them based upon Scripture, and he gives his judgment. He feels in verse 19, he says, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. So he agrees with Peter. He agrees with Paul. He agrees with Barnabas. But that we write them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. And we studied these three things, actually maybe four things, last week. Idolatry, sexual immorality, strangled things. And the command goes back before the law to Genesis chapter 9. We saw how Noah uh, was instructed not to drink the blood of any of the animals they would eat. They were not to drink the blood. And then it went on from chapter 9 in Genesis right away to speak about murder and how there was a connection between 
drinking the blood of the strangled animals and committing murder, shedding blood. And last time we talked about how in paganism, this is all part of the atmosphere of taking the life force of the animal inside of them and becoming like that animal, like that pagan god. And then many times the brutality and the bestiality and the, the murders that come out of that, indeed blood is shed when people have that attitude. So there is a connection. These are very important things. Uh, that blood is symbolic of the life force of the animal. And in Leviticus, one scripture I didn't read last week, we read uh, Genesis chapter 9 uh, in verses 3 to 6. Uh, but in Leviticus, that in the law, more detail is given. In verse 10 it says, And whatever man of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell among you, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. There is a connection. There is a symbolic connection. We talked about last time the physical harm of uh, the nations when they would drink blood. It's not clean. It's unhealthy. And the doctors know that. But there's a spiritual aspect to it also. There is a connection between that life and the blood. And he says, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, No one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, You shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. And it's repeated over and over again. And you know that the sacrifice is made. Ceremonially, the people are clean. They're recognizing I'm a sinner. I approach God only because this poor animal has taken my place is the substitution, but it's the ceremonial cleaning. It's not a cleaning in the heart because it's only an animal and it's repeated over and over again so that the person is penitent, is repentant of what they've done seeing the animal die for their sins. And really, you go back to Genesis chapter 9, prior to that, they did not eat the animal life, right? But because of sin... The flood comes, covers the world, and from that moment on then, the Lord tells Noah, you and your offspring can eat, just like I gave you the green herbs and the fruit of the tree, now you can eat the every living thing that moves. Because of the sin of the world, the flood made it necessary for us to eat the animal life, but we should do it obviously knowing we're sinners. The, uh, the New Testament, we take the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And this was a new thing because this is the first time in Judaism that you mention drinking that which is symbolic of the blood. Why? Because now the life of Jesus you can receive inside of you. He is the only, only God can be received inside the vacuum of our heart. 
Only Messiah can be received into our heart. And we can say the blood of Jesus and say, Lord, your life, your spirit, send your spirit to live inside of me. But the pagans do that with idols, with demons, with animal life, looking to bring the power of that animal life and become like the lion, like the bear, like brutal beasts. Now, when James gives this judgment, he says then, and we left off here last time in verse 21, after he says, uh, things strangled and from blood, verse 21, he says, for Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Moses constantly, and for many generations, has been preached. And the debate over interpretation of this, and I think it's an important point in the Jerusalem Council, is whether what we read in verse 21 applies to verse 19, or does it apply to verse 20? Meaning, is he saying, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those among the Gentiles who are turning to God, for Moses has throughout many generations those who preach him in every city? Or is he saying, uh, I write to you to abstain from these things, for Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city? What do I mean? I believe the interpretation here is that the Gentiles will get the important elements of the Old Testament, meaning applying to verse 19, I judge that we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles. Don't trouble them any more than you have to. Don't put this unbearable burden of the ceremonial law upon them, which we find difficult to keep on the Roman occupation. You're going to put it upon them in all the corners of the earth? It's an impossibility. You can't do it. It dilutes the gospel. It takes away from the gospel of faith that you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And don't worry about it, I believe James is saying, because Moses has, throughout many generations, those who preach him in every city. Because of the dispersion of the Jews, you had from the dispersion Jewish synagogues throughout the civilized world, and everyone knows about Moses. Moses is not being hidden. And because the old covenant of the word of God is preached, there's no reason to constrain with ceremonial law because as they hear about Moses, as they come to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and think about it this morning, we come from all different backgrounds and throughout the world, and if you trace back before Christianity got to whatever area we came to, right? Uh, if you go back to Italy, they were worshiping the God of Romulus and Ramus. Do we talk about, do I talk about Romulus and Ramus this morning? No, we speak about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ. As they receive Jesus Christ, as they come to a knowledge of the Lord, they're going to know Yahweh God. They're going to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to hunger for the things of God. Moses is being constantly preached. They're going to learn what they need to learn. They're going to keep what they need to keep. And they're going to have the foundation in the faith in him who is that he is. So there's no reason to trouble them. 
Even without the legal requirements, they'll learn what they need to learn. And it's true today. Born-again believers, free from the ceremonial law, often have more knowledge, more complete knowledge and understanding of the words given to Moses than many Jews. If you speak to many Jewish people that are not believers, they don't know anywhere near what you know, unless they're a rabbi, of the Old Testament. Why do you know all the things that happen in the law? in Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy because you believe in Jesus Christ. So we're not under the law, but because we have faith in Jesus Christ, we accept it as the word of God and we apply it constantly and appropriately to our work and our walk as Christians. And that's why I believe James is saying there's no reason to trouble them anymore. They're gonna hear that if they love the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses has a constant testimony throughout many generations in every city, being read in every synagogue, every Sabbath. Don't worry about it. Don't forget that Pastor's book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, is available wherever books are sold. Pastor Greg wrote this book to provide readers with knowledge of the foundational principles found in the Bible, principles which are necessary so that we can approach God with confidence, knowing the correctness of our prayers, and that God will answer in a powerful way. You can find more information at pastorgregscalzo.com. You are welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacles Sunday service at 10 a.m. in the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. The church website, again, is www.shiarjashub.org. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.